Before I get into the sermon, let me talk shop for just a second. In preparation for our worship services, the route we take generally begins on Monday with my preparing an email for Jeremy and Matthew. Uh, Going to the lectionary, I'll make selections for the scripture that we'll use for our call to worship, for the scripture reading. Um, And uh, for large parts of the year, I'll also choose my sermon text uh, from the lectioneering. Jeremy takes that and begins preparing a couple of basic slides, a sermon slide and some other stuff. Uh, Matthew starts reading through the scripture and um, keeping those in mind uh, in planning music for the service. Uh, Typically then, by Wednesday, we get an email back from Matthew that's going to outline the music that we have planned and he will send that out to other members of the band so that they can have words and music and links to uh, to uh, YouTube if it's available that way as they prepare. Uh, I'm enlisting worship leaders. Uh, some of you know how to dodge my calls or emails to see if you would uh, assist us in reading scripture and leading us in prayer. Uh, I am intentional about trying to involve uh, the wonderful diversity of our church in worship leadership. Uh, modeling is important. And so I think for anyone to come in and and have the chance to see someone uh, like them leading in worship um, speaks clearly. Uh, When Matthew sends us the music back and I've enlisted worship leaders, then I'll do our worship planning guide and send it back out to the team. And that's how we get ready for Sunday morning. But then occasionally in weeks like this week, um, we get a a bonus uh, as, as Matthew's preparing for music and, and reading scripture and listening to prayer, God speaks and gives us something new. Uh, and we are grateful, grateful for that. Matthew also knows our church well. If you remember before that first set of music, uh, he described us aptly when he said, if you have even a little bit of rhythm um, to join us uh, as we sing. Today's message picks up the week after Easter. So here we are, and I'm going to be reading from the Gospel of John chapter 20. I'll pick up at verse 19 and read through verse 31. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, Their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands 
and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. Now, it's interesting here. Usually, if you're writing something, you put your purpose statement at the beginning of the writing. But here we are in chapter 20, and John tells us why he composed his gospel. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Last Sunday is a part of of the grand day that we had for Easter. Um, Priscilla and I got to spend the afternoon uh, with uh, all four of our kids and and two daughters-in-law and six grandkids, and it was a wonderful, wonderful afternoon. It is always interesting now watching our adult children get together and reading the dynamics. Uh, Some of you know our family. Our daughter, Elizabeth, is the youngest. Um, And our three boys are Andrew and Thomas and Stephen. Andrew's a little bit more than two years older than Thomas. And Thomas is a little bit less than two years older than Stephen. Um, So if uh, you wonder where Priscilla's gray comes from, think about having those three boys um, under the age of four. But Thomas being in the middle child, being the middle child, Well, Thomas was Thomas, and he knew with both of his brothers which buttons he could push. He knew exactly where those buttons were, and he took great delight in pushing those buttons. The number of times we said to Andrew and to Stephen, just ignore him, and he'll, it won't be fun, and he'll stop, didn't work, didn't work. One night, Andrew was in his bedroom, and he came out and he said, Dad, I found Thomas in the Bible. I thought he was talking about doubting Thomas and this story. But I said, well, son, where did you find Thomas in the Bible? And he said, here in Proverbs, it says the evil man lays awake at night scheming his evil schemes. That's Thomas. I wish that maybe he had found John 20 instead of Proverbs 4. Somehow, in God's great sense of humor, uh, next summer Thomas will receive his commission as an officer in the United States Marine Corps. I'm not sure how those two are, are going to work out. This is a great story about Thomas, and Thomas takes a a lot of grief about this passage because I don't think we read it right. We're told here that Easter evening, the disciples are gathered and the doors were locked 
for fear of the Jewish leaders. They just experienced meeting the risen Lord. And the doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders and probably for fear of the Roman authorities and maybe a little bit of fear of ridicule from their family and friends for hitching their horse to the wrong wagon. And maybe they were locked away for fear of the uncertainty of their future. These ten are locked up for fear. But isn't it interesting that Thomas wasn't behind locked doors with them, barricaded by their fears? Was Thomas not afraid of the Jewish leaders or the Roman authorities or the ridicule of his family and friends? Causes me to wonder where Thomas was, what he was up to, what he was thinking. Now, it certainly wasn't that Thomas had any greater faith than the other ten. But I'll also say to you that it wasn't because he had any less faith than the other ten. All he asked for was the proof that they had already received. Nothing more, nothing less. So let's, let's recap our story to this point. Mary Magdalene follows Jesus' instructions and goes to the disciples reporting, <coughs> I have seen the Lord. And she shares her conversation with Jesus. Later that Easter evening, Jesus finds the disciples hiding in fear behind locked doors. And he offers them peace. He commissions them, sending them out as messengers of the kingdom, just as his father had sent him. And he breathes the Holy Spirit upon them. Now, I know we haven't gotten to Pentecost and the second chapter of Acts yet, but Jesus imbues his disciples with the Spirit. <laughs> he underscores the importance of the mission that they have by telling them, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Let me be honest with you. I would looked at five or six different commentaries this week to try to get a better understanding of what this means. They were of no help at all. But what it does tell me is that Jesus was saying that their mission was critically important. And their mission was to offer a word of forgiveness. Later that evening, Thomas shows up. He comes by and they tell him, we have seen the Lord. And he, he just can't believe it. Can't believe it. Too much fresh air yesterday afternoon. 
A week later, Thomas this time is with the other ten. And Jesus pays another visit. We're told that He comes to stand among them even though the doors were locked. The doors were locked again even after they had met the risen Lord. The doors were locked yet again even after He had spoken peace to them. The doors were yet locked again even after He had given them the gift of the Spirit. The doors were locked even after He had commissioned them to serve. (coughs) In spite of Easter, they were still afraid. And the doors were locked. Now, Before we get too high and mighty and get too hard on the disciples, I need to ask you, what locked doors are you hiding behind? The disciples were afraid of the religious authorities. I think they were afraid of the Roman political authorities. I think they were afraid what others might think of them, I think they were afraid because they were facing an uncertain future. But what are the fears that keep you from experiencing God's best for your life this Easter season? Are you afraid of rejection? That someone will find you out that if they really knew what you thought or who you were or where you'd been or what you'd done, that they'd cut you off. Jesus says, don't be afraid. I'm with you. Remember, folks, you are a child of God, created in the image of God and much loved by God. There is not anything anyone can say or do that changes that truth. You are child of God, created in the image of God, and much loved by God. Some of us are afraid of failing Stephen, our youngest son, is a basketball coach, and he has a little plaque up in his office that says, you will miss 100% of the shots you never take. But how many times, how many times do we allow the fear of failure to keep us from tackling something? I don't know, I'm looking at David here and calling him out, but I wonder, David, if you ever written and then been afraid that, will anybody read this? Or what might the critics say? Uh, You know, I'll be honest with you folks, every Sunday morning at about 1130, uh, that anxiety starts building up for me. And sometimes by about 1230, I'm thinking, you know, that one just didn't turn out quite the way that I thought it was going to. (laughs) Our fear of failure. 
But 2 Timothy 1.7 says that God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but He gives us instead a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Don't let fear keep you from approaching that person, from taking that new assignment, from trying that new adventure. Start small and celebrate your successes. And when it doesn't turn out the way you planned, well, you know what? If it's first you don't succeed, you're just about average. So we learn from our mistakes and we try again. Some of us who grew up in Baptist life in a different age will remember the name of Carolyn Weatherford. Dr. Weatherford was for a long time president of the Women's Missionary Union. Uh, Priscilla and I were at a conference at uh, Baptist Holy Ground, otherwise known as Ridgehurst Conference Center. And um, uh, I was in a session where, where Carolyn was speaking and by her own admission, she was not a small woman. Um, but as she told her story, uh, she came up sort of towards the end, and she told about speaking at a, at a gathering of, of women um, to, of course, talk about missions. And she had made her presentation, and for this particular conference, she had decided it was time to buy a new dress, and so she'd brought bought this bright cardinal red dress. And she wrapped up her, uh, her presentation. And afterwards, this woman came up to speak to her. She said, Dr. Weatherford, I wonder if I could have a, a word with you. Uh, you really helped me, I think, understand something. And, you know, and Carolyn was thinking... This, this woman's going to commit her life to the mission's cause. You know, something big and powerful response to her presentation. And she looks at her and she looks at Carolyn's cardinal red dress and she says, you know, I've always struggled with whether fat women can wear red. And you've, you've helped me make up my mind. And Carolyn said, that was the first and last red dress that I ever bought. And I learned not to anticipate what somebody might have to say to me at the door at the end of a presentation. Sometimes you try and you don't get the response you're looking for. But we can't let that stop us. We can't let that fear of misunderstanding or rejection keep us from experiencing God's best for our lives. Sometimes we're afraid that we just don't have the resources that it takes. It's been said that God is a lot more interested in our availability than our ability. Where God leads us, God will provide what we need. We don't have to be afraid of what we don't have. God will bless and use what we do have. Uh, sometimes we're afraid of, of judgment. When Jesus tells the story of the, the talents, and, 
and, and he gives five talents to one, the, the master gives five to one, and three to one, and, and one to one, and he comes back, and, and the one that had the most had invested them and had a, a great return. The middle guy invested and it had a good return, and the one guy says, Master, I was afraid of, of you, and so I took what you gave me and I hid it. Folks, the real point for me of that parable isn't just that if we use wisely what God has given us that we'll be blessed. It's about trusting God. I'm, I believe that if the one who had won had invested it and went bust, that that would have been okay with the master. But he didn't use what he'd been given because he was afraid of the master. He didn't trust him. I had two friends in middle school. Um, <laughs> their names actually were Ricky and Bobby. God's honest truth. And Bobby loved to torment Ricky. Just took great delight in it. You know how middle school boys can be. And Ricky would say, Bobby, God's going to get you for that. And the problem is, too often, too many of us live with that idea. We're always looking over our shoulder for the lightning bolt to come down that God's going to get us. Folks, let me encourage you to set that image of God to the side. Know that God's not up there with a lightning bolt ready to zap you for your mistakes. A far better image is that God has that shepherd's crook. And the shepherd used the crook to protect his sheep and to guide them. Don't keep looking over your shoulder to dodge lightning bolts. When God's plan is to protect you and to guide you into safety. Jesus offers us peace. He offers us his spirit and his power and his presence. And he invites us to join him in sharing the good news of God's loving kingdom. Folks, we will never move forward in faith as long as we remain locked up by our fears. My invitation today is to let go of your fears. Open the door and see where Jesus can take you. Let's pray together. God, we still hear the echoes of Easter. The good news that death does not have the last word. That your love never fails. And that through Jesus we have hope 
for this life and the life to come. God, we miss out on so much because we're afraid. Sometimes we're afraid of what we know. Sometimes we're afraid of the unknown. Sometimes we're afraid of you. God made the peace that Jesus offers. Restore our brokenness. And give us hope. May the presence of Jesus among us and within us give us courage. May your grace renew us. And as you change us from fear-ridden to hope-filled, may we be instruments of sharing that grace in your world. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our band will lead us now in our closing song, and we, we do this to, to provide opportunity for us to respond to God's leadership, to respond to God's voice as we've seen and heard God among us. Maybe in this time of worship, through song or prayer or scripture or message or the encouraging smile or hug, uh, so that there are those around you that remind you that you're not in this alone. <clears throat> Maybe you've heard God speak in, in different voices in recent days. But our prayer is that we can use this time uh, to respond to the Spirit's leadership. Say yes to the invitation to faith. To say yes to God's new mission for our lives. To say yes to be more faithful in our following of Jesus. So we'll invite you to stand. Uh, I'll be up front here. If I can pray with you, I'll be glad to. Uh, if we can follow up um, in some way, uh, let us know. But let's use this time as we hear God's voice to respond to God's call.